Lumberg want to live? And you know, this was like a warm up for all of us. You know, we just you know got you back on the show, Frank, and everyone. You know, get, get back to it a little bit. So, welcome everyone to Living Room Sports Talk here, Macaulay. Zach Rothenberger, the great Dr. Frank Shannon, and I didn't stutter this time, Frank. I actually just said it with a full, you know, and we and we I awkwardly talked about how I drove by your office for you know two months ago and we clarified how it was September and and here we are. So now you know at this point we're really just talking about the show and we got a great one lined up for everyone. Uh and we're back on the end. Trust, much love by the way, for for helping us out there at the audio stuff. Um, yeah, I, dude, if if this was a, like someone should fire me right now, like I might fire myself from producing. This is it's been rough. This is like I'm hitting like six, like point zero six eight in the box right now, producing over the last like four weeks. But nevertheless, here we are. We got a great Thursday night show lined up. Like I said, Thursday night football. We got the Masters. I'm looking at uh, the old leaderboard right now, and uh, I know Zach, you got some bets out there for it, so we'll talk about that. Um, and then, like we're saying, as we realized we had no uh, audio, that we got the great Frank Shannon in here. There we go. Trust you, we're back. Um, the great Frank Shannon, who's our basketball aficionado, is in here to talk a little bit about, you know, well, college and, and more importantly, the NBA draft, which is around the corner next week. Uh, six days away, Frank. Yeah. Wednesday. That's right. Interesting day for a draft, don't you think? Nah, put it right in the middle of the week. That's put it in there. Happen. All right. I like it. Yeah, right, you know, I'm going to be thinking about it on Monday and Tuesday and then yeah. Thursday, Friday. We're basically on the weekend, so whatever. So yeah, next week, week, that Wednesday is the new Friday, I'm learning. One hundred percent. It's also the new. It's also the new Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday as well. Yeah, big, <laughs> big, Perfect. big day, big day. Right, Actions Act, you know, is playing on there, right? You know, so it's a big day. Um, all right, but that point, let's get the show kicked off a little clickbait cleanup. Uh, so Zach, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we were talking about this before the show about the uh, Arizona Cardinals defense and uh, one of their leaders, uh, Patrick Peterson, apparently wants more referees on the field after a controversial pass interference call. Don't we hear this like every week from uh, from from an athlete about pass interference call or a coach like Sean Payton um, or just any coach in general about pass interference? I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to get it wrong. Don't put yourself in that situation. End of story. Yeah. Short and sweet. There's just no need on our yeah, there's just no need for an article about past interference and how we need more referees. You know, this I know happens every game. There's at least one call. It's funny, so. it's like really someone wants to write an article about like we're done, we we overkilled that subject last year. We don't have to go back to it. Yeah, we've been hearing enough from the Saints about it, so exactly. All right, you know what? I'll go. You know, what? I'll go. I'll go third. You know, it's funny. It's Frank. I don't think you had one, but I was thinking about you. Just you know, because whenever I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you, um, but I'll pull up one I found for you. And I was thinking about this because you know we were talking about the lip sync. You know, back in the old CFS days, uh, before jumping on the air. But did you happen to catch that uh, the weekend is doing the Super Bowl halftime show? I feel like this is clickbait in your world. Oh yeah, the halftime show. I don't know when the last time it was I watched the halftime show of the Super Bowl, so uh, <laughs> yeah, you might have to take control of that one because I'll be too busy eating during the halftime show. So good for the weekend, good for him. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was fun. I saw. I guess he made his big breakthrough during Uncut Gems. You know, you saw that. Yeah, big thing. Yeah, right. I, it's yeah. funny because you always right. Here's the thing. I, I've learned that the halftime show for me is you're just filling up on your your beers, your your nachos, whatever you do. Like that's. I just like to edit, and honestly, if you if it's your team playing, you're going for a walk, a yeah, long, really, long walk. Really, to be honest with you, Karen, I, I'm I'm just looking at halftime to see what uh, you know Zach 
is going to offer for like a second half bet during the Super Bowl. So that's yeah, that's exactly. what all my, that's that's what all my is going to be during this. So. Have you seen his picks on the site? They've been absolutely like out of this world. Impressive, very very impressive work from Zach. So. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, just check your Fanduel app or whatever betting source. Call whoever you got to call. You know, get that get that second half bet in, or, or a bathroom break would be acceptable too. Yeah. You know, so right. yeah, that's always yeah. Always right. get those in. Yeah. Um, but it's fine. All right, I'll t- I'll stick with uh, with the football circuits, and it's funny because you know Zach, we're we're talking about a little bit. Um, I feel like the, over the past few shows, right, we've been saying how there's this uh, like this tension, and, and Frank, obviously, as a as a Philadelphia sports fan, I want to hear um, your input on this. But I feel like there's this not riffs the right word, but this tension, like I was saying with Carson Wentz, the Eagles, right? It just feels like every week there's some type of dialogue around, right? Is he the guy? Is he not? Right, et cetera. And, and and now I'm seeing and let me pull up the clickbait for everybody. I'm seeing uh, there was an article that says the, that uh, WIP would trade Carson Wentz for Sam Darnold. And I know how low you think is Sam Darnold, Zach. I, know I wish I had your face on the camera right there as you made it. Um, I, I, I just clickbait. It's clickbait. That's all it is. There's no need for me to go on a rant. It's clickbait. Yeah, That's why we do the segment clickbait cleanup. Sam Darnold is turning out to be a solid uh, Christian Hackenberg. He'll find himself in the AAF or whatever the heck league they come up with next Whoa, year. Oh, that's a hot take. Oh, that's a, that, that, man, that is really cold on Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, that's – like you, you're not even saying he's stopping. You're saying he's basement. He's, yeah, look for him in the XFL next year with The Rock. No, 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 wow. no, no, no. That's a clickbait segment. Come on now. Come on. I got to clean you up there on that. <laughs> yeah, sweet if, Matt, if, if Matt Schaub can find a place in the league, Sam Darnold has to have some stuff. <laughs> that's, right? that's a good Come point. Bill coached him. There you go. Ryan Oz, another chess mom superstar. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're all back over in, the place. Back in middle school. They're all How over about that? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there's, there's a fun fact. I didn't, yeah. So, um, all right, Bell, so let's take the football circuits to get the show started, right? So we got Thursday Night Football, um, and it's funny because I have a lot of uh, notes for this game, whether it's fantasy, betting, or just, you know, whether or have you, just, just in general about the AFC South, right? But it's funny. As I wrote this down, I didn't – I don't know how to put this. I feel like sometimes when I get like write the notes, I get excited. Even if it's like the Jets-Patriots was like one of those games. Like, it was just interesting seeing stats, right, about about the matchup, about the – even though the, obviously the Patriots had rolled them, I think it was like eight, now nine straight times, right, et cetera. Like, but it's I, – I looked at this game – and I just thought to myself, I don't, I don't like. I, it's a big game. It's a huge game, right? It's but like you almost just sit there and say, why is it big? Like, who's are any of these teams going to actually beat any of the AFC North or the Chiefs? Team? Like, right, like I don't know. Like, what do you feel about this game? I mean, obviously, now I'm like 19 steps ahead of talking about the playoffs. So, like, what's your excitement level about this game and just in general? Well, I'm I'm, I'm excited. There's football on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's better than watching the NFC East. So, I mean, if those are my options, then, you know, this this is an interesting game. I mean, it's, it's an important game for Indy. Indy has to win this game. They, they, they can't lose this game. They have to. Especially coming off the loss against the Ravens. When, when they had that game in the first half, it looked like, okay, they're going to we'll stop Lamar Jackson and that'll be it. They really need to win this game. Because Tennessee, even if they lose this game, they're still... They're still kind of in control, so they have their own destiny. So this is a huge game for the Colts. Yeah, we got Alex cooking in the chat too. What's up, Alex? How are we doing out there on the West Coast? As I was just thinking about him too, because that I mean that division's rocking and rolling out there at the NFC West. Um, but no, Frank, your point. It's funny. Okay, so I want to. I'm. I, it's. I'm so glad I was looking at my notes because I was saying like, what's the next question I want to ask in this segment about Thursday night football? And you literally just you just got it right out of me. Um, I think the Titans need to win this game more. 
and I feel like it's kind of like the potato potato argument, but it's more like they're at home. They're six and two. You lose this game. Now you have the same record. You had to go back there in two weeks to Indianapolis when this team just beat you, right? Like you can't lose this game. If you're, if you're the Titans, right? That's, that's, I don't know. That's, I just feel like, right. You need, you need Derek Henry to do his thing, right? He needs to gallop for like 150 yards. Tannehill needs to play well, but like, Right, like if they don't win this game, then I think you start asking questions. Right now, they've all of a sudden they've lost three of four. They they haven't. It's now not. Oh, they've lost two, and then they you know wrote the ship. No, now it's they've lost three of four. It's question marks time, right? So, I guess that's my thing with this team. They they gotta win. I I don't know because I I also think if they lose this game, as I ramble on, don't we start like migrating into that world of like. You know, are the Titans even, like, really that good? I mean, is Ryan Tannehill even, like, really that good? Their defense has not been that great. Um, to, right, That's actually probably been one of the weaker points in their chain. I'm looking. They are – let's see. What was the stat I wanted to bring out tonight? Uh, doo, doo, doo. Well, I can't find it. Well, they, give up, they give up over 400 yards a game. That's, 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 there you go. This is that yeah, stat. They, they give up over 400 yards a game. And I think you you said it right there. Can you know about Ryan Tannehill? Can can Tannehill carry the team when Derrick Henry is is not having a good game? I, I don't know if the, if the answer is yes. There, you know, you're going up against uh, the Indianapolis Colts, right? And they've only they only allow just over 220 passing yards a game. Which I don't even know if Tannehill. Like, no offense to Tannehill, I'm not trying to roast quarterbacks this evening or anything, but I don't even know if he can throw for 220 yards with the weapons he has besides AJ Green, right? But like. I don't know. I just see. I don't see the Titans losing this. Or I don't see the Titans winning this game, uh, <clears throat> Kieran. I think the Titans can't afford to lose it, though. I think they do have a little bit of wiggle room because if they do, like like Frank, with your point with the Colts, at least at that point they're tied. Technically, you know, the tiebreaker would go to Indy, obviously. But I don't know. I think this is like do or die for the, for Indy here. But but are you a good football team? Like, if you lose this game, you're not a good football team. You can't lose in prime time. Like a game, like, it, right? Like I guess for all the reasons the Colts need to win, you can't lose this if you're the Titans. <laughs> like I, I'm sure they can lose the game and their season's not going to go down the toilet. Like I get that, but it's more just like it's kind of one of those things where it's like if you're dating someone for like two years and all of a sudden they're like, you ever think about having like just an open relationship? You're kind of like, what? Like what's this all been? Like these wins, the chatter about the Titans leading up to this point, right? It kind of it melts away. Yeah, but to be honest with you, in 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 the AFC, you're all chasing Kansas City and then Pittsburgh, too. So you, got, you just got to make the playoffs. It's not like, you know, I mean, it, it, honestly, AFC, NFC, there's not a whole lot of depth in, in either league. So you can, if you're, you know, you have six wins already, you're doing pretty good. I mean, you know, you're already on track to make the playoffs. So that's why Indy can't afford to, they can't, they cannot afford to lose this game. They have to win the game. And- and not to like just be like, okay, you know, I'm gonna jump over on this side of the argument with you guys. But I, I said, see, right, so right now the Colts are in ninth. They're the ninth seed, so they're not even in the playoffs. So to that point, right, like for every reason, right, they need to win the game, I guess, right? Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, maybe I'm just in that Titans camp where I think they are actually a pretty good team, but I'm just like, if you lose this game, you're not that good. Um, but you know what, to that point. What like what do you think we have with this Colts team, right? I mean, I think Vegas is kind of winking with the spread, right? It's kind of floated around one point, two points, a pick them, right? Um, they're certainly thinking that they can stay in this game. Uh, and, and we've seen them play well. We've seen them play not so well. Uh, what like what do you think of when you look at this Colts team? I think of a team that the defense carries them and they have to get the lead early and hold it because Philip Rivers is not stretching any defense. 
He never has, and with the weapons <laughs> he has, he's still not stretching them. They're so reliant on run, 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 and then play action, and then throw the ball. I mean, and that's still what they are. So, and the, the way you beat Tennessee is by stretching them. You take them down the field. That's where they were getting hurt. They were getting hurt as running past their DBs, going deep. They were, I mean, if you just line up and run against them, Tennessee's defense, which is just average, can at least can, can hold up. So that's why Rivers has to air it out tonight. And if he can't, then the Colts are like, we brought in Philip Rivers for what? Like, what, like what are we, why couldn't he just roll with Jacoby Brissett again? I mean. Yeah, that's fair. And that's why I don't trust the Colts, because I don't trust Philip Rivers. I heard someone say he's one of the smartest players they've ever played with, and I'm not knocking him. He's obviously great. And to that point, he's 7-2 in his career against Tennessee, albeit that was against the Chargers or with, with the Chargers. But – but still, right, so he has a knack of beating the Titans. But at the same – like, I don't know how much you really – how much weight you put in. By the way, I'm loving – thank you for the comments. And saying the graphic game is pretty strong. I, you know, got always take the compliments when you can get them um, from our, our, our lovely audience. Uh, and by the way, your, your Uncle Rick was saying that uh, Lamar Jackson, no one can beat them in the Ravens. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a Ravens fan, so I, of course he's going to say that. <laughs> well, well, I'll say so – They're looking, pretty predictable. I don't know if you caught that headline today. <laughs> Um, but I'd say looking so it's funny though. I feel like and I thought their defense did a pretty good job keeping Baltimore in check last yeah. week. And, and you pull up their numbers here. Let me pull up their numbers real quick. Um they're first in total defense, right? Third in scoring, third in the pass, and third in the rush. It's the real deal. It's I mean, these guys are as good as advertised, right? If, if Phil Burbers stopped handing the other team the ball so much, I mean they would actually probably have one or two more wins. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. they run, and then like they're also. Let me. I, I wrote it down here. They're. Uh, I want to say they're second in rushing on offense with three point three yards an attempt. Right. So I mean, they're they're not bad. Right. Like yeah, this, they, they got the recipe to be a team that's like really good, like really good, and that's I guess why I sit there and I ask myself like, why are they not winning games? Like you know what I mean? Like, but I feel like there's been like a year or two of this. Yeah, no, I, I feel like on the offensive side of the ball, like defense, is, there's no question marks for me, but I feel like on the offensive side of the ball, they're still trying to find like an identity. And I don't know if you call my picks today and the analogy I made, but I feel like the running back carousel is like a doorknob. Everyone gets a turn if you want to reference that joke from back in the day. But uh, <laughs> uh, I just think they're kind of struggling to figure out like who's their bell cow, right? Because it started out with Jonathan Taylor, and then he had a couple games where he's only been getting like two yards of carry, and then they bring in you know Naheem Hines, and Jordan Wilkins is all of a sudden a stud. So I think it's just it's a combination of that and uh, you know like Frank you were saying with like a, from a game script perspective I think you're right you get out to a lead early and make Ryan Tannehill beat you basically is how I view it. Yep. So yeah no I, I just didn't know you want to add anything yep. there um, <laughs> right so and, and here's to me right the game will come down to turnovers and and the, the thing about these two teams right it's like the Colts have won the last three meetings until last year and then Tannehill I guess is one and zero is you know against the Colts as a starter right so it's like I don't know how much really those numbers mean a whole lot um, that's kind of what I take away from this game it seems pretty pretty evenly matched like I feel like this is going to come down to like a turnover at the end of the game or right like a team misses a field goal at the end of the game like you right it's like a or uh, Steven Guskowski uh, extra point right exactly, exactly. yeah say that. um <laughs> but, but I guess that point kind of wrap it back to like the Chiefs AFC North like that's kind of why I'm like is this game interesting right do you think one of these two teams are good enough to knock off one of those teams I mean I think I think if you're if you're going to ask me I think that the Colts have a better chance to knock them off because of that defense they do because if you look at Tennessee this year, 
the biggest takeaway I have from Tennessee this year is that their offensive line is not as good as they were last year. They're really missing guys on that offensive line. And that's why Derrick Henry's numbers this year have been so inconsistent because they haven't, they haven't been able to break holes for him as much as they did last year. So, I mean, and Tennessee's defense is not good enough to stop Kansas City. It's not. So if we're talking about a team that's best matched up with Kansas City, it's Indy. I don't know if Indy can score enough points against Kansas City, but at least they're not going to give up 35 points to Mahomes. And you know, it's that point not to like sit here and almost like make up hypotheticals of, of the Colts being good enough to beat an arrowhead when they're the nine seed right now. We're discussing can they even beat the Titans on Thursday night. But just to have fun with that that hypothetical, I mean, he knows Arrowhead too. Playing in the AFC West at Phillip Rivers, that is. Right? So, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I think if you want to look at a crystal ball, that would be a team that would be a little scary. But, Karen, Karen Phillip Rivers knows veteran stadium and Franklin Field, too. He's been playing for, like, 50 years. I, I, mean, I think he's been to every stadium that's been created in the NFL. You kind of forget you know? that him and Eli were in the same draft. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and, and to that, so speaking of longevity, I got a stat for you. Since 1999, the Colts are – they've won 13 of 18. So, 13 of 5. That's pretty, pretty serious. Good. Yeah. It sounds better when you say 13 of 18, but still, like it's yeah. it's still, I mean, when you think that you're going on the road to, to play a team in your own division, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. No, we'll see. I, Jeff Fisher was not beating them back in the day at all, really. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think I think like we've kind of alluded to, I think a lot of the the deciding factors tonight are gonna are gonna rest on Phillip Rivers if he can if he doesn't turn the ball over, or you know, it's plain and simple. If you turn the ball over, you're more likely to lose. So if he can, you know, control it a little bit, which after his bye week, I know he had two games in a row. We had, he had over 300 yards passing. I think he might have had maybe one interception out of, the, of those two games, which for him is really good. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, last week was different, of course. But, you know, hopefully he can string something together. Hopefully, like, I'm a fan of the Colts or anything. But, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm riding the Colts in this game. I was going to say, would the, am I overreacting if I say the winner of this game is going to win the, win, win the AFC South? No, yeah, maybe not. I mean, probably not. Well, if the Colts win this game, then then there's a chance. If, if Tennessee wins this game, it's gonna be tough for the Colts to, to win the division. That's yeah. that's kind of my thought, right? It's, but if they can win this game, right? If you're selling, if you're Frank, right? You're selling the fact we can beat them now. We can double up two weeks. From, I mean, not great. They have the Packers in between. They're at home, so which I think they're gonna win that game. Just whatever for whatever it's worth. Chalk uh, game for the Packers, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think. Um, I think that it like this is t- like they got you're right they got to win tonight like they're gonna throw a punch I feel like <clears throat> yeah and you're I mean, right Tennessee Tennessee's offensive line has been pretty banged up yeah I mean think about it they they lost to the bang Tennessee lost to the Bengals two weeks ago they barely beat it took overtime to beat the Houston Texans four weeks ago um, the Bears I mean they pretty much had that the Bears scored a garbage touchdown so you can't really say much about that game but the Titans have sh- both teams have shown wobbly legs if you will you know so. It's kind of a crapshoot, but I think, yeah, for sure. I think if Titans win, then I'd say it's very hard road for the Colts moving forward. Sure. And the only other thing I look at is we got short week and we got Indy coming off of the game against Baltimore, which was super physical. Yeah. It's a good point. And, and that, that was a really tough game for the Colts. That defense was on the field a ton in that game. Then they come off that off that short week travel. That could be a little that could be a little and difficult for them. And you got Derrick Henry running into you now. Correct. I'd be curious yep. to see the teams that played after they played the Ravens, how they did. I kind of like want to look that up. Like, you just want to like well, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. This is why we got to get interns in here. Look um, at the Eagles. Hey, come on. That was our season. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, but I'd say it's, just, it's funny. Speaking of, we were talking about 
surprises and stuff. I feel like the NBA draft, right? That's why we have y'all. You're the basketball expert, right? Let's let's talk a little hoops. Um, so the NBA draft is on Wednesday, next Wednesday. Uh, was that the 17th? 18th? 18th. 18th, 18th, yeah. There we go. So I'm getting, you know, that's actually pretty good for me if I can get it within a day or two of an actual date. Right. Um, but, uh, right, so the NBA draft, it, I feel like there's probably a little less luster. It's always kind of fun in the middle of June when there's nothing going on, right? And especially when you're a Sixers fan and you've, there's been all sorts of process trusting uh, over the mid 2000s. Um, break it down for me, right? I know, like, it's funny. I saw Trust and the chat was asking uh, if, if you thought LaMelo Ball might go to the Knicks. Um, just kind of from a high level, just break it down. I know there's the rumors he might be the number one overall pick. Right. Like, really? Like, I, like I'm kind of, to me, I'm still just pissed off about the Sixers because I just don't think it's going to work. So okay. that's where I'm at. Like, I'm just, my head's in the clouds right now with them right. and in the NBA. So, Kind of walk me through what's going on if you're, you know, got a top 10 pick, if you will. Right. So, honestly, if you look at the top of the draft, everybody's looking at three players. They're looking at LaMelo Ball. They're looking at James Wiseman. They're looking at Anthony Edwards. Now, if you ask me who would I take first out of all three, it's Anthony Edwards, who would preferably be my guy because he has the skills to translate immediately to be a top level scorer in the league. Extremely powerfully built 6'5 guard from Georgia. Loves to drive. He should drive the ball more, but when he does drive, very difficult. Left-handed, right-handed finisher. Very good pull-up game from the outside. 19 years old. He's only going to get bigger, stronger, super smooth with his game. His game translates immediately to the NBA. Second guy, I like, James Wiseman would be my second guy. Seven-foot center from the University of Memphis. He's going to play three games this year because of a uh, benefit scandal when Penny Hardaway coached him at Memphis Easton High School. Uh, a lot of people compare him to Chris Bosh. He doesn't have the range Chris Bosh has. He's actually a better athlete than Chris Bosh. Um, left-hander, very good on lobs, when engaged. His issue sometimes, he kind of floats out there sometimes, but um, he's apparently put on 20 pounds in the offseason because he only only played three games, so he's had plenty of time to train. He'd be a great guy for Golden State because when they suck out on those three-point shooters, they can lob it to him. He's an excellent finisher. He's only going to get better. LaMelo Ball is the third name, and he's the most popular name because everybody knows him from, you know, the ball, LaMelo, LiAngelo, and, you know, Alonzo. So LaMelo is Joe said in the chat, too, about this draft. Really. This is what you're dealing with with Sixers fans right now. You're leave, you're living it right now in the chat here, Frank. That we yeah, we have no idea that we're depressed, but sorry. Yeah. So LaMelo, he's a 6'7 guard all over the place. Chino Hills in California for high school, then he went to uh, Lithuania, came back with the Spire Institute in Ohio, and then he went back and played in Australia this past year. Different player than Lonzo. He's a little bit better shooter, a little bit longer than Lonzo. Lonzo might be a little bit better of an athlete. Lamelo's really good in pick and roll. He's played at a very high level in Australia, so his game will translate. The only issue with him is he's still not that great of an outside shooter. He's he's very he still needs to put on a good amount of weight to take on the the uh, rigors of an NBA season. But he's a solid he's he's a solid prospect, and he shouldn't be lumped in with Lonzo or LiAngelo. He's his own guy. And um, he'd be a good pick. I mean, is there like a true franchise guy out of those three? Nah, but so, those guys are potential all-star guys. Why does it smell like the Anthony Bennett draft a little bit? No. Does it have that taste in your mouth at all? <laughs> nah, this is not necessarily. I mean, Anthony Bennett <laughs> was an excellent pro. I liked Anthony Bennett at UNLV. Don't get me wrong. He was, he was a good player at UNLV. The thing with this draft is, is that you can get a guy from – the high, there, there may not be a high-level, high-end franchise guy, but if you look between 4 and 10 and 
15 to 20. There's some good players in the draft. I mean, it, it, it's kind of uh, wing-dominated probably, but um, there's a lot of good guys you can get in the draft to at least be like solid role players. And in the NBA, I mean, that's how you win. You don't you – got, you got superstars. There's only one LeBron out there. These other teams don't want to compete. you got to fill out that bench. and fill out, Look at the Sixers. I mean, that's, that's one team right there that showed you that, that just how important a, a bench would be if you had one. So I, I got to ask, out of those three, so obviously Minnesota's picking first, Warriors second, Charlotte third. Right. Which which of those three do you see fits the need? Like those in those top three picks, where do you think it, they could play out from like a needs perspective for those three teams? Right. If I was um, Minnesota, I'd pick Anthony Edwards because D'Angelo Russell is such a ball-dominant guard. He wants that ball in his hands. And LaMelo Ball is a ball-dominant guard. He's not – I mean, could he play off the ball? Sure. But he wants the ball in his hands. He's at his best when he's a creator. So if you're Minnesota, if I was Minnesota, I'd look Anthony Edwards because you can plug him in immediately. He doesn't truly need the ball. He can work off screens. Golden State, on the other hand, Wiseman fits them perfectly. That's exactly what they want. They need a big guy down there. Draymond Green can play the four. You can spread four out one in with Wiseman. He's really good picking, diving to the rim, lob it up to him. He's perfect. And Charlotte would be third, and they'd get LaMelo Ball, which is he's the third guy. I mean, that would be... It would be totally fine with them. I mean, Devontae Graham had a really good year there this year, but he's not your answer long-term as a point guard. There's No. He's like a really nice backup player on, on a good team. So you just need talent on that roster, and he would fit well there. And I know a lot of the A-10 folks are wondering, what about Obi Toppin? I saw a recent – took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw a recent uh, mock draft from a day or two ago from uh, NBC Sports, and they are projecting him to go eighth to the Knicks. Is that, right. too, is, that, is that too late for him? Or? No, I mean, I saw Cleveland, too, and like five. I saw somebody take him there. I like Obi Toppin. The only issue I have with Obi Toppin is that um, I don't know who he's going to guard in the NBA. That's, it. That's the problem with him. I mean, he's a good shot blocker, but he's a four in the NBA. And you can't really pair him with a slow five because – He's going to have to guard. He'd have to guard like Tobias Harris if you run the Sixers. He'd have a difficult time guarding him. I mean, Obi Toppin would really? be really. He's on Sixers. He can, he can yeah. guard anyone. Sixers. If, if Obi Toppin, if Obi Toppin gets picked by the right team and he's a small ball five man, he can be super effective. I just don't know what he's going to do if he has to guard a, a really athletic four man. He could have a difficult time with that. And I guess that's – it's funny because I was thinking in my head too, right? Then you got this this category of teams, and it's funny. I always laugh because I feel like there's – it's always the group of teams that aren't really that close, but they think they are, so they always think they're just a shooter away. Yeah. But, right, is there anyone in this draft who is like, damn, he might be able to shoot the lights out for a team and really give that offensive boost and a shot in the arm? Yeah, so the draft is filled, like I said, there's a lot of wings in the draft. There's a lot of wings out there that aren't, like, amazing shooters. Like, people love to talk about Isaac Okoro. I think Okoro is a really good defender, but I'm not. I'm leaving him out there to shoot the three. But Aaron Neesmith at Vanderbilt is the sniper. That's the guy you want shooting the ball for you. Six foot five, six foot six from Vanderbilt. Had a really nice year until he got injured. Shot almost fifty percent from three. He played on a really bad Vanderbilt team, so people look at that and be like, "Oh my God, I really don't know if I want that guy." But Vanderbilt's actually produced some pretty good players over the years. He would fit in really well. I um, mean, Devin Vassell. Is another name people really like from Florida State. He was a super under-recruited player coming out of high school out of Georgia. He went to Florida State, really bulked himself up. Uh, people want to compare him to Mikhail Bridges, who played at Villanova, now plays for the Phoenix Suns. 
I don't know if he's as good of a defender, but he's another guy who's going to stretch the floor, you know, stay up, spot up in the corner. You can give it to him. He's a pretty good defender. The shooter who I love, who's probably going to be a second-round pick, is Isaiah Joe from Arkansas. Super underrated. He pulled his name out of the draft and then came back in the draft. He was a zero-star high school player out of Arkansas. He was first-team All-State. People were like, why in the world does Arkansas offer him a scholarship? He didn't even have another high-major look. He could shoot the lights out. He'd be a great second-round pick. And if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm dying to have him picked in the second round because he's a guy that would 1,000% make your roster. And he, he will play in the NBA. There's no question. Okay. I'm starting to see sour and sweet too. Make yeah. a simple reference for it. Oh, you know, it's funny. I feel like for Frankie, it's funny. We, we, I, we always joke around and say you're like Fran Frischilla. Um Any international stars you like that you feel like that can really pop out and make a, make a splash in the NBA scene this year? Thanks, Karen. I was waiting for this question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, it's like the alley oop behind you there. So if we're looking at international prospects, everyone's going to talk about Danny Abiha is the number one prospect. He's from Israel. So Denny, if you think about it, if you want a comparison, he's a more athletic Darius Sarish. So Denny's really good. He's a better defender. But Denny's really good at facilitating for others. He's pretty athletic. He can run the floor, really knows how to play. And he played at a super high level this year, which is the thing with a lot of these international guys this year. Recent year, you know, we used to see 10 years ago, they'd be picking guys in lower levels of play. They weren't playing in the highest European level. And they struggled in the end there. They'd be total washouts. Like the Nicholas Skeetish Billies of the world. Like, those guys, those guys couldn't play a lick in the NBA. So, Denny Abdiha would be a good guy to look out for. I lo- I'm just loving your international lexicon right now. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> the second guy on the list probably Killian Hayes. <laughs> Killian, Killian Hayes was born in Florida, but he grew up in France because his dad was a professional player. He played in Germany this year. He's a left-handed guard, six foot five. People compare him to James Harden. He's not as, um, he, he's not, he, he's, Patterns his game after him, but he's not quite there. Left-handed shooter, pretty good in the pick and roll. He's just going to need some time to physically develop, but he'd be a good pick between, like, 8 and 12, probably. Then we've got um, the real mystery guy is uh, Alexander Pokushevsky. He played in the second level this year in Greece, which is the same level that Giannis played in. Uh, Pokushevsky was supposed to come over to the United States for high school, and then he ended up signing a professional contract over there, so it never happened. Um, six foot ten. His, in the second level of Greece, he did everything you expect a guy to be really good to do. He can shoot, he can pass, he can dunk, he does a lot of great stuff. His only issue is I really don't know how great he would be against the top competition. So that's a guy if you take him, you let him sit and maybe leave him over there for a year or two. And then the two other names, one that's been connected with the Sixers consistently is Leandro Balmero. He's a six foot seven guard from Spain. He played in the highest level over there at Spain. He's a total non shooter at this point. But he's a very good ball handler. Very good, very good defender. I know. I know. Total. He's a total non-shooter. But if you're looking at the Sixers, you need a backup point guard because no one on the team can dribble other than Ben Simmons. So um, he's a guy that you could bring over or you could leave him over there. And in a Sixers cap situation, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they took a first-round pick and sat. And then the fifth guy would be Teo Maladon. He's from France. He was on Tony Parker's uh, professional team over there this year. He only played in a couple games because of an injury. Prior to the season, he was seen as a top 10 to 15 pick stock has fallen a little bit. So um, he would be another guy to look out for. And I got to ask, and you mentioned and not to give, not to go away from the draft, but you mentioned James Harden. So obviously in the news we're seeing about Harden and Russell Westbrook, is this clickbait that they want to leave or is this legit? I think it's totally, I think it's totally legit that Russell Westbrook wants to leave. 
I mean, it, it really wasn't a great fit for him this year. Even though people say it was a really good fit, I don't really think it was that great of a fit this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy that also needs the ball. He's a guy that should end up with, like, the Knicks. Now, that's, like, the perfect guy for the Knicks to get. I mean, he, he could go to New York. He could be back getting his, like, 30 points and 10 rebounds and 10 assists, and he could win, like, 25 games. Like, that, that, that's, like, a perfect fit for him. I don't know about Harden leaving. The rumor is that Harden um, wanted uh, John Lucas to be the coach, um, and then that obviously never panned out. Stephen Silas got the job. Um, and Daryl Morey and him were super close. So um, with Morey leaving, there's a little uncertainty there. Um, I don't know as much about Harden, but Westbrook definitely, I think he wants to know. Let me, let me kind of take you there, right? Because I keep reading everyone, like, Sixers Morey, Sixers Morey, right? Everyone's so excited, like, oh, that's all they need. Like, why? I feel like every offseason there's just something, some type of decision that's made, right? Where, the, oh, this is why we're going to be, you know, this is why we're going to be great now, right? Oh, well, you know, first it was, you know, Brand replacing uh, Colangelo, right? Brian Colangelo. It's like, now it's like, okay, like, it, I, I to me, Frank, I just feel like as a Sixers fan, I've been hoodwinked, you know, by the even like the point guard that played there, right? The guy, Markel Fultz, right? Whether it was him or striking out, you know, Ben Simmons not shooting, uh, Brett Brown and, and that team just not being good enough, right? Signing Tobias Harris, letting Jimmy Butler go. Like, it just seems like, right, I, you know, you know, I don't have to yeah. keep going down the road. I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just, right. I know. Keep your head up, Karen. I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually, so I'm happy with what the Sixers did. I mean, just first of all, coach. That's the best so you coach. like the Maury hire? I like the Maury hire because Maury has experience. I'm not that Maury's going to turn this all around in one year, but they needed a basketball mind that has made significant moves because the Sixers are going to be kind of hamstrung a little bit with salary cap. They need a guy that knows how to maneuver trades. And if you look at Darren Maury's history, he's done that really well. And he's also drafted well. So you look at some of the second round picks he's had over the years, whether, whether it was, Montrez Harrell or Dylan Brooks. I mean, he's had some guys that have really contributed that were second-round picks. So his, his drafting acumen has also been very good since the Sixers have accumulated so many second-round picks. So he's going to be the final say in all this. Elton Brand is in, like, an apprenticeship role. He's learning. So um, Daryl Moore is going to be the final say in all of this. And, I mean, if you're a Sixers fan, you should be cautiously optimistic that, that things are, are headed in the right direction. So, so one thing that I really like about drafts, regardless of what uh, league it is, is the possibility for trades. Do you see do you see maybe the Sixers doing some type of, of trade to move up in the draft, or the Rockets maybe with Westbrook and or Harden maybe? But right, what's your perspective well, there. Well, all this Chris Paul talk. Chris Paul is a big name that a lot of people are talking about getting moved now. So he's a name I'd look at. But I mean, this draft's going to be crazy because the lack of really being able to work out a lot of these guys in person. Mm. Some guys are going to, you know, people are going to love guys or, you know, you look at these mock drafts and you've got like, you know, Tyrell Terry getting picked like 15 and one and like 48 and another one. Like, I mean, they're, they're like all over the place on evaluating a lot of these guys. So, I mean, if there's somebody that, that I, I really likes, like, you know, if the Knicks really want to make a move and try to get LaMelo Ball or whoever it is, it could happen. But I think, I think you'll see more minor moves of like teams going, you know what? I'm not really loving the end of the first round here. I didn't get to evaluate as many of these prospects as I want to. I'm tied up in the salary cap. Let me trade back in the second round, or let me pick up a future first. While some of these teams are like middle of the road, like borderline contending, like Phoenix and San Antonio trying to rebuild, these are teams that may want to accumulate a guy at the end of the first round because they go, okay, we can plug them in on the bench and maybe we can just improve our team. So.
You know, it's funny. I, I just was looking. I can't believe I put the date. We're 10 days ahead. Bob, people are going to think we're in the future here. <laughs> just looking at the graphic. <laughs> there's always something. It's There's always something. I'm looking I'm like, I'm like, it's not the 22nd. Like, <laughs> wow. Well, you know, just get a little ahead of ourselves, you know? Well, we got a comment on uh, on Facebook from Ryan Andrew saying, it's hard to be optimistic about the Sixers until they can prove they can be consistent. Exactly. No, and I couldn't agree more with that because I think that's – they're consistently inconsistent, right? Go to Orlando. They don't win, right? And it's – and I'm not trying to be the guy that says, like, oh, they're immature, right? But, like, we know there's that – it's the same wrinkles, Frank. We know, and, and right, you know it. I know it. The, the chat knows it. And I think that's right. That's that's why it's a great point. That's why there are doubts. They're not consistent. And I, and everyone's like, oh, Doc Rivers. Like, really? Yeah, I, know. I know. I know. They, they are totally inconsistent. We're, the fact that the fact that they at least the Sixers show that they were willing to at least make a make a make a, a total change in everything this offseason. We have a new scouting director. We have new player personnel people. We have a new GM in Daryl Morey, let's be honest. There's a new general manager there. So the fact that they were willing to do this shows that they understand that what was going on was not the right thing. They cut bait with Brett Brown. Totally fine. Doc Rose is an improvement. So you, you should at least see that, you know, they're, they're trying to make it. They, they understand that what was happening was not right, and they had to go in a different direction. So, And what I, I still don't buy when people tell me, like, oh, man, the Sixers are a lost cause. They're, they're clearly not a lost cause. I mean, if you if you look at even with how dysfunctional they are, they still have enough talent on that team to at least you know maneuver some pieces. I mean, that's why Daryl Morey's there. Like I said, not going to be able to sign a big free agent. You're going to have to move some pieces, whether it's absorb money to move a contract like Al Horford, or work your way to get some solid bench players. You know, that's what they're going to have to do. So it's, it's really, not a total the, loss. The irony is that we keep talking about the Rockets. I feel like the, the the Sixers are just that Eastern Conference Rockets. They're not actually they're always the bridesmaid, you know, that they're never actually gonna like cause hat. Like right, it's like you got your Celtics, you got the Bucks, just kind of like how you got your Lakers, you have your Clippers, and then it's like then the Sixers, then the Rockets, right? Like that's where I feel like we're we're at with this team. We're there, but you know, I mean, it, it's a team that needs. It's, it needs better depth on the team. It's not like, oh, my God. I mean, they, they need a backup point guard. They need more shooting on the team. They need legitimate veterans, not Kyle O'Quinn on your team, like, to be the nice guy on the team. You need, but you know what? That's the kind of people that Doc Rivers will attract. Like, those kind of guys will sign for veteran minimums to be on the Sixers to kind of police that locker room, which is what needs to be done. I mean, Al Horford can only say so much, but Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are still doing their own thing. And I don't really think Murray's going to move on from either one of them in the near future. He wants to see if this can work, and if it can't, then he'll reevaluate. Well, so sticking with with just these teams that are playoff caliber, right? I just dropped the Lakers' name in there. Is that a team, Frank, where you feel like they certainly are on the inside track to repeat, or with you know maybe things going back to normal, right? Like like the, you know LeBron obviously being a year older. Some of those other wrinkles teams maybe evolve, get better, et cetera, right? Like it, do you, to that point, do you feel like they're on the inside track still to, to, to run it back, or do you, would you take yeah, the field? They are. I mean, they do have some some veterans on that team that I really don't know how they're going to respond next year. I mean, I, I think the bubble was a really good thing for the Lakers because it kept guys like Rondo and Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, you know, under wraps. Like they there was no outside distraction. There. Those guys were all in the bubble together. LeBron had his hands on the whole thing and can control all of it. How do those veterans respond next year? Who knows? Who knows if they even bring those veterans back? The Lakers are the kind of team that could be like, you know what? 
We Kyle Kuzma, I, I have a hard time seeing him go back to the Lakers. The traveling circus with like gypsies. He's going. So what the Lakers will do is the Lakers might look to add some younger guys on the bench. They're the kind of team that can accumulate second round picks and try to work them in. Like they did with Taylor Horton Tucker. They'll find a way for him to be a good player next year for them. He was a really good draft pick. So they'll, they'll find their way. And even even Alex Caruso will turn himself into like a service player. I feel like he's uh oh my god, I, I can see him. The Australian guy. Delvadova? Yep, yep, yep. Matthew <laughs> Delvadova. That's what I was thinking. I couldn't think of it. That's just that's yeah, that's what comes to mind. Um all right, but that's what did you watch any of the Masters today, Frank? Oh, you can't work today. Oh, so do I. Like, that's true. Yeah, you actually have to be in your office working with the people, right? You're, you're not working a lot of time. I did not have the masters on when I was doing some extractions. No, 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 no. That makes sense. Root canals and, and, and chips on the, on the 13th green or onto the 13th green don't exactly, you know, jack. You know what, Ken? Honestly, whatever goes on in the masters will not be as exciting as what John Rahm did on the practice round. So that was unbelievable. It's all a letdown after that for me, to be honest with you. That was, you know, and Zach was telling us on the show, and of course I deleted the highlights, so I can't run it back for everyone tonight. Um, but we saw, you were saying, Zach, that right, so what, that they were, they try to do that during the practice round, something like a trick shot? Yeah, it's like they usually do it every uh, every Tuesday, I think, just messing around. And and last year, I think Jordan Beef got it in, like, maybe then Rom this year just dunks it. So it's pretty cool, I mean. I don't know how someone can do that. I mean, I can hit in the water, but not like that intentionally where it skips and is all good, you know, so. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll pull it up. So so it was a good day, right? I mean, hey, you were saying you were watching it from the jump on ESPN uh, Plus side. Yeah, I had it on my other screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fortunate enough, we work from home, so. Yeah. yeah. And, and, right, Casey comes out to lead. He bought out today. Yeah, right? I mean. Yeah, uh, seven under, he shot 65, which obviously is phenomenal. Uh, Paul Casey's one of those guys, though, that in a Masters tournament will start off hot and then will kind of plateau, and then you'll see some of the veteran presence, like maybe like Tiger Woods, four under. You might see him. That eagle was phenomenal, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Tiger looked – he looked looked great today. I mean, it's it's rare that you see Tiger smiling and, like – looks like he's actually having fun on the course because he's that serious. And, and someone like him who knows that course and has obviously won it several times and played it for forever, it seems like, he knows where to miss. So, you know, he knows, all right, I'm going to aim here. But if I miss, it's going to put me in a great spot. Little advantages like that. Like, even with Phil Mickelson, um, Phil, I think, two under through nine right. or ten holes, right? So, little things like those little things, those little um, tricks and ways to get around the course is what's going to give the winner there this week. And you saw the signature Tiger fist pump in there, too. And then today had all the feels, I feel like, as a, as a golf person. Yeah, it really did, minus minus the fans, obviously. Um, it was and we got Dark Sage going in the chat. So, sorry, I may cut you off there, Zach. But, yeah, no, we, we've, I feel like we've, we've gone through some technical journeys, but we're, we're back. Um, we've got the, the new digs here with the, the little new formatting. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's great. That's what we were just talking about. So, oh, and Dark Sage is saying he thinks Tiger Woods is going to win. Hey, that's one of my peop- one of the players I put money on, so that'd be great. <laughs> uh, now, Frank, let me ask you this: when you're in your off and you're downtime, will you watch it this weekend? Oh, yeah, oh no, I'm watching it. You okay, so you're not like you're, you're not so I, I'm not I'm not into the match. No, not there, no way. All right, good. good I'm anxiously waiting to see where Patrick Reed finishes. Are you a Patrick Reed, Reed guy? <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm everybody guy. Give me Deshambeau. Give me Rory. Give me more. Oh, Bryson, baby. Let's see. Uh, where is? To be honest with you, I'd love to see Bryson match up with like Tiger, like on on day four. 
That'd just be great. I just think Jeffrey and I play together. <laughs> it's yeah, a Bryce, great shot of 68. There you go, four under. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bryson's two under, and he, he looked very shaky to start. I mean, he made a seven on a par five, and this guy came out and said that his par was 67 because he would birdie all the par fives. So he made a seven on a par five, a 510-yard par five, mind you, someone who can bomb it, you know, 350, 380. Um, but it could have, could have just been jitters and especially the spotlights all on him because of his, you know, his build and everything that he's done over the last year and the off season. So yeah, I'm sure he'll rebound. I think a lot of it was jitters, like I said, uh, but I don't know. I really think it's going to be someone who has experience. Who's going to come out of the woodwork and make it happen. But Karen, I know your guy, Xander Shoffley, huh. five under. Do you want to tell him about this? So did you see what time I texted you, by the way? This morning uh, was it like five? It was like four ten in the morning. Four ten. Okay. Um, I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning randomly, so just like quick, did a quick little look at the phone, and yes, yeah, so I logged in the old Fanduel application, Franklin, and I, uh, yeah. So wait, hold on. You want to explain how this works? I actually had a feeling. I didn't. All this time I'm sitting there. I, honestly, God, if you told me what happened to you, I wouldn't have done it. But I'm thinking, oh, there's no way they're actually gonna like. It's not gonna be a bad time doing this, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so what FanDuel's doing, or they did, was is if you do a minimum $50 bet on an outright winner, you get a spin at a wheel, okay? And it's obviously yeah, I saw that. For how much you get for, like, a birdie. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. Yep. So I think it goes from, what, a dollar to what's the highest one, Kieran? Maybe like five, five bucks? Yeah, yeah five. Roger, three. just, you know, so I don't sound like a I had the, the money in the account, right. you know, in the yeah. FanDuel account. So just making sure that was established, you know. Yeah, so. Because Packers did well last Thursday. Yeah. So, so I took a, uh, I took a, I took a dark horse, uh, Francesco Molinari, who could have arguably won it last year. And he does very well there every year. Top 20 guy, typically. Um, he was, he was 101 odds. So, you know, 50, that's a good payday. And I spin it and it's like at the $1, of course, because what's, what's the chance of 101 going to actually hit, you know? So, um, they get the $1, Karen gets four bucks and Shoffley's out there just draining birdies all day long oh today. So, yeah. One of those things that you just you just don't trust electronic uh, wheels. Right, don't do electronic that. wheels. No way. No, no, it's not that not the way to go. You know, they no. always you know when when you're a kid, right? They say don't do drugs and avoid the electronic wheels. So you know, it's yeah. uh no, but it's funny. I thought that uh yeah. So I'm like all excited. I'm like he's getting birdie. Oh yeah, I, I, I felt like a little kid. I felt bad. I was like texting, just like all giddy. I'm like this is so much. I felt like a kid that never gambled before. Like, yeah, it's all right. I think Molinari made like two birdies today, so I got two bucks. There you go. Okay, well, um, you're yeah. tipping away. Yeah, but there's some other some other notable names if we want to run through them. So yeah, Justin yeah, give Tom, us the, give us the Z Man report today. Yeah, so Justin Thomas, who has never really had that great of a track record at the Masters, is five under through ten holes. Um, as we know, there was a two hour, a little over two hour delay this morning. So because of daylight and all that good stuff, the the players who were out later today are going to finish tomorrow morning, and then they got to do a quick turnaround and, and play another eighteen right after. So a lot of them made it through about nine or ten holes. So they're going to be looking at twenty seven holes pretty much back to back tomorrow which which could be advantageous or not depending on how those the rest of that the you know the back nine goes for them uh, and if it's good hopefully that bleeds into their 18 if it's bad we've been there many times karen right when you hit one bad shot how that goes uh, how you but, just start mentally reeling <laughs> yeah but uh yeah, no some other bad. yeah some other notables uh you know webb simpson is five under and that's a guy who who's great with the putter he's a very consistent precise player not too many flaws in his game um you know Brooks Kepka, surprisingly, plus two through ten, which That's everyone, Gucci, bro. yeah, you know, every, whenever he's in a major, you know, you expect him to win at this rate. 
So plus two through 10 is, isn't great, but again, he can turn it around. And Tony Finau is a guy who I had on our, our uh, write up the other day. He's minus three after the first round. And again, he's another guy like Xander and, uh, and Webb Simpson steady golf game. If his, if he can putt, he, he's there and has every tool to win. You see dark sage boy in the chat too. Now, where'd he say, um, we got, uh, was it Bernard Langer? I never watch golf. He's going to go for a walk after that one. I think, I think he's <laughs> one under he's turning back the clocks. He's a, he's a guy who always somehow finishes like top 25 every year there. Yeah. Two time master champion. Karen, you know what? Though? Two two names I like. It's still like in within shouting distance. It's always Justin Rose and Jason and uh, Jason Day. Yeah, always yeah. there. Those guys will always hang around, and if you give them enough wiggle room, they can make a run. Both of them can, especially they're if they're like, healthy. I feel, yeah, Adam Scott gets thrown in that category right. oh, too. Yeah, he, and, you know, if, if, if you saw if you saw Justin Rose and Adam Scott walking down the street. You would be like, I don't even know who either of those guys are. <laughs> it's like the, the opposite of, I mean, but are we just going to dismiss? I mean, Paul Casey balled out today. Yeah, no, he did. I just, uh, it's just, that's like, is it like the horse game. that's winning the first, like the four lines kind of a thing? Yeah. yeah, it's like the Kentucky Derby, and you see the guy, you know, sprint out, and he's got a three length lead, and they're only, you know, a quarter of the way through. So, not not knocking Paul Casey because he's a great golfer, but he just had a track record of not being able to finish what he started, essentially. Um, one last guy like Matthew Wolf minus four through eleven holes. Um, yeah, the guy with the goofy pregame warm up, you know, that we see. But uh, he's long story short, everyone's still in it, of course, because we're only like a halfway, you know, halfway through the first round essentially. But over, I think it was like sixty five out of the ninety some players are under par or even or under par. So there's a very strong field, and obviously it plays easier on Thursday than it does on a Saturday and Sunday. But still. Gonna be tight. Yeah, I thought your boy Tony Finau played pretty well. Yeah, at times, at times. Yeah. No, he did. He uh, he had an eagle from uh, from the bunker on from the, the bunker. Yeah, the thirteen or the fifteen par par five. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, A little no, sand I, shot there. He's definitely someone who I think. You know, I'm he, just just injury, he just needs to stay injury free while playing his golf. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. That happened in the Masters. Was it last year? Where That's he just right. Like, he just needs to make sure he doesn't dislocate his ankle again. Uh, yeah, and he popped it in himself. Popped right? it right in and kept on going. Yeah, God, what a beast! <laughs> it's funny, yeah. and I knew Sergio. Sergio's not playing, right? He yeah. backed out, but I was just—I always miss COVID. him. Yeah, I was—I miss yeah. having him just take his time out there. Take like forty minutes. We still got DJ Singh playing out there. That's true. You know, he, he likes that's a blast. That's, that's the ultimate blast from the past. Come on, yeah. I know. I feel like he's been playing since I like was just. The inception of oh, watching he's, golf. He's been playing for a long time. I'm waiting, <laughs> I was waiting for like David Duvall's name to pop up on the leaderboard. Jeez, uh, David Duvall, yeah. <laughs> well, it's why. Right. Speaking of COVID, I, I feel like there's all, all the college football games being canceled this weekend. So, uh, you know, all those Halloween parties, we're in that time frame now. You know, yeah. sharing the solo cups, Frank. You know, um, but yeah, yeah I know, I know, it's not camp appropriate, but, uh, but yeah. This was fun. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Is there anything besides we got the Masters, obviously. There's well, some good NFL. Yeah, what do you got? No, I was just say, I don't know, Frank, if you saw it. I think it's, this happened right before we started that the Ivy League men's and women's are – they're basketball they're done. they're done for the season. The rumor was uh, a couple weeks ago was at Harvard. I had already informed everybody they weren't playing. Wow. So, um, and then I think, you know, that's just the Ivy League. They're student athletes. I mean, it's clearly been shown that students before athletes 
Penn doesn't even have their kids on campus right now. I mean, are you going to bring them back and they'll practice for like a week and then start playing? They weren't going to let those kids travel or anything like that. I totally understand. I mean, if you look what's going on across the country on some of these other teams, Seton Hall is having issues. Iona is having issues. I saw Canisius today. There's just, there's just a lot of teams. It's going to be really difficult with the 14-day quarantine period that these teams are having to get any semblance of like a real season. The only saving grace would be really a conference bubble eventually for some of these schools, but it's going to be really difficult to play any sort of non-conference game. Yeah, so, so what do you do? Do you just have a location, you think? And then, I mean, the majority of, of learning is virtual, right? So it's almost like you can, you can learn wherever you go and just have like the NBA did, I guess, just with conference. Yeah, let's be honest. How, how much schoolwork are these kids doing? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> During the season, I mean, like, I mean, they, they can definitely bubble this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a, um, Adidas is uh, is one of the people that is actually sponsoring a high school league currently out in Arizona that is bubbling 16 academies, and the kids out there are bubbling in virtual learning out there. So if high school prep academies can do this for basketball college basketball teams can do it. They'll find a way to do it. The typical sites like, you know, Vegas will have a bubble and Mohegan Sun they're throwing around will have a bubble. Um, you know, the typical sites will have it. They will get, the NCAA can't afford to not have March Madness. Oh, I know. They're going to have it come hell or high water. They're having it. And they're going to put they might make them travel to, you know, Hawaii to play games. But they're, they're going to have it. And I love what Brian was saying in the chat, too. So what do you think? You guys think the Eagles have a shot against the – oh, that's right. We've got Eagles-Giants. Are we doing a show on Sunday morning? Why not? You'll I don't know. We can, we can mull that over. But, but, but what do you – in case we don't, what do you what do you feel – yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. You're really listening to, like, just jammed out your electric guitar before that game. Uh, what do you guys feel before – before you know, we got some Eagles and some Giants blood in this in this podcast here? Karen, oh, I, think, I, I think anything's possible, Karen. Wayne Ballman might take it right to the Eagles this week. I don't know. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, the Eagles have a couple guys coming back. They're coming off the bye week. But it's still the Eagles. And, you know, the Giants, actually, I'll give the Giants some credit. The Giants play, they arguably played their best game in the season. They look like they're playing better football. They, they are playing that's why better. I feel like they might win, that's why I feel like they might win this game. They are, they are playing better football. So, I mean, it's going to be a close game. And um, I do think... I do think in the end the Eagles will squeak it out, but it, it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I think Giants plus three and a half is a lock. Just, you know, just because it's going to be a close, one of those close you games. Watch yourself. Could be easy yeah. for He's right. No, it's, it, I, I would agree. If I, if I was a betting man, I would, I would take Giants. Yeah. I, yeah, and of course as a Giants fan, I want to say, I, you know, we're going to win or whatever, you know. But frankly, you said, I think the Giants, and again, we, it was against the Washington football team. I get it. But I think – as a whole, they probably did, like you said, play their best team game of the season last week, and I think they're finally starting to come together. Another big thing, obviously, was Daniel Jones didn't turn the ball over, which only the second time in his career that that's happened in a game. But uh, if he can show some maturity like that, I think absolutely the Giants could pull it off. But what scares me with the Eagles is you got, like Frank, like you said, you got a lot of people coming back from injury, fresh off a of bye week. You know, and, and we all know how it's been with the, the Eagles versus Giants lately. So the, the whole key to the game is can the Giants protect Daniel Jones? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole key this week is the Eagles defensive line will be rested. That's the best part about the entire Eagles team is that defensive line. Will they be able to get pressure on Daniel Jones? Will Andrew Thomas be able to block anybody? Is, is, is like how many sacks will the Eagles get this weekend? I mean, that's, that's really the, the key. If they can block Daniel Jones, 
they'll get guys open, and you know, as long as they're not going against Darius Slay, they'll have plenty of completions against the Eagles. So as long as they protect them. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's going to be one of those, you know, brutal NFC East battles, right? I mean, it doesn't matter about the records. Whenever anyone in, in the division play each other, it's always a it's always a tough, hard hitting game. So it'll right. be good. It will be good. And you're speaking of coming together, it's like a perfect way for me to segue into you know, give a little tease for everyone. Uh, you know, if you want to check us out, you know, if you want to follow us, um, you can check us out on the social media outlets um, and all that cool stuff for all our audio episodes are on Spotify uh, and iTunes. Check us out on social media. And we'll give a little shout out to all our new followers on Facebook and some of the new circuits today. This is awesome getting some, some new followers. We appreciate all the love. Um, from everyone, especially the chat. This was awesome uh, tonight. Uh, and then check us out if, if uh, you know if you're bored. You're, you're a Twitch person. We're on Twitch, and we're trying to get to that subscription goal. So, um, although I gotta I gotta update those metrics. I feel like we're a little bit further behind than that. But all right, nevertheless. But check us out. Um, you can follow and subscribe on Twitch. It's free if you have Amazon Prime, um, and it's certainly free if you're on YouTube. You can subscribe to us uh, on there as well. You can check out all the previous episodes. Um, as well as some more highlights that are cut up in there, also all sorts of cool stuff. Um, so be sure to check us out. And holidays are rolling around. Look at this. I'm like on a roll with the commercials. Holidays are rolling around. Um, and look at that. You can get all sorts of cool sidetrack swagger. You gotta love that, right? Look at that. Frank, I know you got some. It, it really is. You know, look at that. I mean, you got people sending in the photos. You know, you gotta love it, right? And you know, uh, what else, you know what else is great about it? You can do it uh, with like socially distanced. You don't have to go to the store. You can exactly. This sounds exactly. like the perfect. This sounds like the perfect holiday gift. Yeah. For Macaulay. And and looking real quick at the chat oh. here. Um, to, to Hunter's point, real quick about the NCAA, uh, do you think they would move to like like go just go down to Disney World and kind of do the same thing the NBA just did? I mean, I think well, they already tried to do the the preseason stuff down there in Orlando, and that all got knocked out because oh, really with Florida's numbers, so people didn't want to travel. The out of state, you know, quarantine and stuff. Now stuff will be different in March. I mean, the environment will be in the country technically will be totally different. You know, there will be a vaccine by that point. And the medicines will be keeping will continue to get better. The situation will be more under control. So we'll have to see what the guidelines are at that point. I mean, they really could put it anywhere. It's just the answer that we'll find a way, even if they gotta move it to May. Oh, yeah. We're gonna have May madness, April Mad, whatever it is. We're gonna, we're gonna make sure that Mike Shashevsky mm-hmm. has postseason basketball. Yeah. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, it's happening. You know, well, I was actually thinking about that because when I was writing down my notes, I was like, well, it's going to happen. I just, you know, like they'll – because, you know, it's that point, like you said, hell or high water. They'll, they'll, they'll make it happen. Yeah. Awesome. Let's figure that. we got to make it happen that you come back on our show. It's a lot of fun tonight. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm always down to come back. Uh, well, it's big basketball season, Karen. Oh, it is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, we should, either a week or two, we'll do some college, uh, some college shoes preview. Some college shoes preview. i got to throw out the Ivy League preview now. Nobody really yeah. cares about how – you know, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Bayheim is going to elevate Cornell out of the basement of the Ivy League now. Or how Gabe Stefanini is going to take Columbia to the next level. Nobody cares about that stuff now. Maybe I'll do a Horizon move preview. Now we're talking. About, How's Temple going to look this year? Give me some good news. You want some good news about Temple? I want, I, if it's real good news, don't, don't. Now, it's got to be organic. Organic well, juice. They're in first place right now. They haven't played a game all year. That's the good news there, Karen. Karen, no, I got a full Big Five preview if you want it next time. So I can. Oh, no, we gotta have that. We can break down all the uh, all the Temple Owls for you. All the new oh, stuff I love it. Coming in there and what Aaron McKee is doing to elevate the program in this block, Karen. Oh, I love it. 
Awesome. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. So we'll, right, we'll be back then. So we might do a show on Sunday. So we'll, we'll announce that stuff on social media. If we do a little bonus episode on a little football special, but uh, if not, we'll be back on the show uh, at our normal time at, on Monday at seven o'clock. Uh, and yeah, check us out on all those other uh, outlets, but uh, we hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll see everyone back here in the living room on Monday. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>